Hello, welcome to another edition of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. Happy Thursday to you all. We, we head towards another weekend. Man, these weeks just keep flying by. A um, lot is going to happen on the show today. I figured I would do a segment first by myself, and then for the second and th- uh, third segments, well, however long they're going to be on for, Josh Yoey of The Athletic, who covers the Penguins, will be back along with Chad from Penguin Twitter, MadChad412. They've been on this show a couple times already. It's really glad to have them back. We're going to talk to, the, um, talk to them about the NHL's return-to-play format, what their thoughts are on that. Uh, so maybe some Jake Ensel questions for Joss. Nick Bukestad, of course, we'll touch on that in this segment as well. And just we'll just get their thoughts on a bunch of stuff. You know, I'm really excited to talk to them. But we did have a lot of Penguins news that did come yesterday. Um, yes, I'm sure you all are aware. Nick Bukestad is out for the remainder of the season. If the season ever resumes, he has apparently a herniated disc. So, um, yeah, Bo Bennett definitely had a... a Bo- <laughs> wow, that is, that is embarrassing. <laughs> can't believe I just said that. Call, I called Nick Bukestad uh, Bo Bennett. So I was about to say Nick Bukestad had a Bo Bennett kind of year. I'm not going to delete what I just said. We're just going to we're just gonna keep it like that because I just that, that was just too good to pass up. But yeah, it was – in all seriousness though, it is really upsetting that Nick Bukestad, who really has not had a lot of injury problems in his career, just basically he gets traded to Pittsburgh – uh, last year, I thought he was actually he played some pretty good hockey on the third line. I think it was with um, Hornquist on his right wing, and I think Dominic Simone was on the left wing, and that line drove possession and the expected goals for percentage through the roof in the playoffs against the Islanders. Even though the Penguins got swept, if my memory serves me right, they were the best line that the Penguins had. They drove possession and and they just, they created chances when they were they were on the ice. They were always dangerous. So. It sucks seeing that Nick Bukes said he was good last year, and then this year, you know, he just he turns into Bo Bennett, like I said. And um, we're going to ask Josh this in the next segment, but, I mean, I don't see him coming back next season. I think he makes, what, $4 million against the cap. Um, I think a team will take a flyer on him, but... It's just it's really unfortunate what happened to Buke said. This is a player, everyone, who really was not injured that often. I really don't think in Florida. I'm just gonna make sure about that. But I really don't I didn't see him struggling to get into games when he was with the Panthers. I mean, 76 games in 2014, 2014, 15, 72 games, 2015, 16, 67. 2016, 17, 54. But then he had an 82 game season. So I mean I mean for about one, two, three, about four of the five years that I just mentioned, he was relatively healthy. You know, one game, one season he missed six games, one season he missed 10, one season he missed um, 15, and then he had the, the full season. It's just, you know, but this season he played in what, 13, not even 20 games, 13, 15 games, something like that. Just really, really unfortunate that Nick Bukestad um, basically is just, his, his time as a Penguin is done, so... Um, so the depth takes a little bit of a hit there. So him and Dominic Simone will not be available for the Penguins in the playoffs. Apparently he's expected to miss a minimum of eight weeks with a herniated disc. But my question is, how do you go from a sports hernia injury, um, with the core muscle injury? And then that goes that like you come back from that, even though it's a lot later than expected, then you come back, you look okay. And then you get hurt again. You suffer a setback with a herniated disc and then you just have surgery for it. And now you're out of minimum of eight weeks. I don't know. It just seems a bit odd to me, you know, that, that his injury look like, (laughs) I'm going to say it again, you know, that's Bo Bennett right there. You know, you, you really, really cannot make it up. Um, just feel really, really bad for him. And I'm, I'm pretty comfortable saying that this is probably, um, 
his final season in Pittsburgh. Yeah, just what, what a mess that was. You know, and there's some people who could be like, well, you know, no one's going to trade for him. Well, I mean, someone took Alex Galchenyuk back in the Jason Zucker trade. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure someone would take a flyer on Nick Bukestad. Now, what could you get back for him? Don't really know. You know, maybe you can get like a, a draft pick, you know, a prospect, like a mid-tier prospect or something like that. Maybe you can try to get like a, a roster player that I don't really think he, he's capable of. So I don't think a team is going to give up a roster player for Nick Bukestad, but I really do think Jim Rutherford um, will trade him at some point in the offseason, whether um, that's in September, that's in October, or that's in November, whenever the offseason um, comes. We also had some comments from Chris Letang today and Jim Rutherford yesterday. We'll start with uh, Letang's comments today. This is a very long thread from Penn's Inside Scoop. He basically talked about like the discussion of the format. He said it was a long process. 24 has always been the best number unless you decide to take the first eight teams of the conference. There was lots of talk back and forth. I shared our, our guys' ideas with the board. Um, 24 has always been the best number. Um, <laughs> everyone knows my thoughts on that and a bunch of other people's thoughts on that. I think 24 is honestly not the best number, but you know, that's just me speaking. Um, Latang on reservations about playing. He said, I don't, not at all. I've had my fair share of questions and they've all been answered. I would say that I would be safe to play. Um, of course that comes from actually, um, Josh Joey's article and I'll ask him about that in the next segment where, you know, Crystal Tang, you know, he, he has a hole in his heart. He had the stroke. Um, is it, is this safe for him to play? So it looks like he is, um, safe enough. He is safe enough to play if he's saying it, which is of course mo- monstrous news. You know, he's the Penguins number one defense when you can't afford to lose him. And, you know, I'm just glad that he's able to play. So let's see some more, uh, quotes here. He said on round series length, he said, everyone is used to the best of seven. You know, the structure, how it feels if you win or lose the first two. I don't think any player in this league that played in best of fives, it's just easier to flip best of seven because everyone knows what to expect. Um, I did see the report um, about the best of five versus best of seven. I I think they should do, I've talked about this on this podcast before, what baseball does, you know, like the divisional series is best of five. You know, the the first two rounds of the Stanley Cup playoffs this year should be best of five. And then conference final and Stanley Cup final, like the pennant series and and the world series are best of seven. I think that's what they should do. I think it makes the most sense. I really don't think you need, um, especially for teams in play in that will do five series, you know, a best of five and then four best of sevens. I think that's just a bit much. I think three best of fives, I mean, of course, adding in the play-in and then the two rounds and then best of seven for the conference final and the Stanley Cup final. To me, I think that makes the most sense. You know, I don't think as many of the players are going to be back gassed. I know the Stanley Cup trophy is supposed to be the hardest trophy to win in sports. I get that, but you know, we're not in normal times right now. You got to adjust for the different times. I think this is a good um, adjustment because like I said, you know, I, I don't really think pl- the, the players would be too thrilled with four best of sevens and then a best of five. I just, I feel like they would be too gassed after a couple of those best of sevens and which a team could potentially take advantage of that, especially if, if a play-in series, a play-in team, not play-in series, a play-in team gets to like say the Eastern Conference final and, um, you know, they've already had to two, play two best of sevens and a best of five versus the other team that only had to play two best of sevens. So that, that, that's just my opinion on that. Um, this was a very interesting quote as well. Latang on Pittsburgh being a hub city advantage. Maybe knowing the boards and building better, but I don't think there's too much of an advantage. Yeah, I mean, I got to agree with him on that. There's some weird conspiracy theorists out there who just, you know, like to think, oh, wow, so if uh, if a team like Pittsburgh gets the, their hub city home or like a team like um, Vegas gets it, oh my God, home ice advantage, home ice advantage. It's like, okay, there's no fans there. And okay, maybe they get last change, which I mean, last change is pretty big, but I don't know if the Penguins will be 
the home team in the series, except in the play-in series. I don't think they'll be the home team um, if they move on. I think a higher-seeded team will, even if they play in their own building. So it is kind of funny that people are freaking out about that. I mean, there's just, like Crystal Tank said, you know, maybe if you know the building and the boards better, but I guess that's just kind of it. But now, real quickly, on to Jim Rutherford's comments um, yesterday. Let's just go down here. He said he talked about the format versus Montreal. He said the league and the players did a good job under these circumstances. There's a lot of different things that go into these discussions from our point of view. We had the seventh best record in the league of shutdown. We were hoping to not play in the play-in. Again, that's nothing out of the ordinary. Of course, Jim Rutherford is going to say that. Like you said, seventh best record in the league. I wouldn't want to play in the play-in either. Um, he also had an update on Jake Gensel. He said, we're optimistic that Gensel will be available. Simone is out. Bukestad had a setback, as we talked about, had surgery yesterday. We feel good about the depth of our team. He said, for the next three to four weeks, there'll be voluntary and skate workouts. Players' choice on attending, but it, he also expects most of the players to return to Pittsburgh to start working. Um, he also thinks that the skates will begin either the end of next week or the following week. He also talked about Montreal. You know, they're a good team. They dealt with adversity like us with key injuries. We all know there's parity in the league right now. It's going to be a good matchup. I think all the series will be pretty good. All these teams are good teams that could go on a run. You know, I wouldn't expect Jim Rutherford to say um, anything less than that about them. But with that, everyone, who's ready to talk about Built Bar. They're tasty. They're protein bars that taste like a candy bar. 16 amazing flavors, 8 chocolate nut flavors, 8 chocolate nut-free flavors, covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. They're low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber. Again, one of my favorite um, flavors is the mint brownie, 15 grams of protein, 110 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 5 grams of net carbs. I'm just going to keep ordering these um, and just keep binge spending. But there's also Anita Straw shirt, the guitarist in Alice Cooper's band, that I want one of her shirts really badly. But So maybe I'll buy that and some more um, Built Bar brownies, especially the mint brownie one. So we still have the offer. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get $10 off your first order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. And just remember that this show today is brought to you by Built Bar. All right, so we're back here. And so Josh Yoey and Chad of Penguins Twitter are back on the podcast for this week. First off, Chad, how are you doing during this? I know we spoke on the podcast about what a month and a half ago. How are you doing? I'm good, man. I'm uh, I'm living. I'm I'm healthy, and uh, I'm ready for I'm ready for uh, some hockey to come back. Hopefully, so yeah, I'm uh, I'm good, man. Thanks for having me back on. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I'm pretty ex- I'm pretty excited to have some back some back too. Whether it's late July, August, or whatever. Josh, my man, how are you doing these days? It looks like your uh, your beard is still going strong, just like Chad's is. I shaved a couple of weeks ago. It doesn't take much for me to grow back. However, this is like the the second wave of COVID, the, the second wave beard. Um, doing okay. It's been nice to actually have a little bit of kind of hockey things to write about mm-hmm. this week, as opposed to you know top ten greatest Penguins in history or whatever. So a um, little different. Um, we'll see what happens, but I'm cautiously optimistic that come uh, late July, early August, we're going to have some real stuff to watch. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm really excited too. Yeah, I have I have not gotten my hair cut probably in two months. My hair is just, it's all <laughs> over the place. So um, I guess I'll just give the floor to you, Josh. What do you think of this 24-team format? Um, I know um, I was talking to you earlier. Um, this Jim Rutherford, made so, he made sure to make his comment clear that he doesn't seem, I would say, too pleased that they have the seventh best record in the league and that they have to do the play in, um, in your story. Just what are your thoughts on the format? Well, yeah, my sense is certainly that the Penguins would have preferred a 20 game or a 20 team format. Mm-hmm. 
maybe, you know, the top six teams in each conference are automatically in and have seven versus 10 and eight versus nine as the play in rounds, which I think probably would have been a little bit more fair. But, you know, no matter what they would have done, people would have been annoyed on some level. I, I understand looking at it from a business standpoint, if you're Gary Bettman saying, boy, we could get New York and Chicago and Montreal markets. And like, I get it. It, yeah. it, it will give the, the tournament more exposure theoretically. Is it a little silly? Yeah. Uh, and let's oh, Chicago to me. Let's be honest. Of course, it's, it's a little ridiculous if you look at it that way, but I understand where they're coming from. I think the Penguins don't prefer it, that they know that anything can happen, especially in a best of five series. But they didn't complain about it, really. Jim made sure to make his comment. Um, but it is what it is, as the cool kids like to say. And the team, if I were the Boston Bruins, I'd be furious. That's the one thing about this setup. And the fact that the round-robin games are that important, they could be the four seed and have to play the Penguins in the first round. I can't imagine the team that had an eight-point lead in the conference uh, feels too good about that. Yeah, that's what Josh, they, you're telling us the Penguins weren't scared of Carey Price. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I, I heard some outlets suggested that they were. I mean, listen, Carey Price doesn't suck. I mean, he, he's still a very talented goaltender. Oh, yeah. No, I promise you, Chad, they're not afraid of the Montreal Canadiens. I, I, that's not a very good team on paper, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, there's there, there were really some odd reports. I was talking about this like this past week and last week, and it's like Carey Price was really, really, really good really elite, I should say, from 2013 to about 2016. Then he signed that contract, and then yeah. it's just been a slippery slope ever since. I think he makes like $10 million per. And, I mean, last three years, I think he's been 9-10, and I've said it before, like, can he go on a short heater? Any goalie can. You know, that's like that. That's the big, big thing with that position. And, you know, the fact that people seem to think that the Penguins were scared of Carey Price, I think is just like you said. <laughs> I think that's really weird considering – uh, one, I don't if think anything, Mike, Sullivan, Mike Sullivan probably wouldn't even allow that, considering his voice in the room. <laughs> right. Anything I think most people Montreal, they, uh, you go months without playing hockey. Now you have this weird format where they're going to play a, a, not a good team in the playoffs, or at least like the you know whatever this. I guess because right now they're saying that this actually is not going to count towards record keeping in the playoffs. Is that correct? Uh, I believe so. I think it's okay. its own so, little entity. Yeah. So, but like, this is the perfect team to me as a Penguins fan to be like, oh, you know, bad shit can happen. Like, Gary Price can come in, play out of his mind. A bunch of y'all can score a bunch of fluke goals and play some kind of trap hockey, and they lose a, a, a five game series is really easy to lose. I mean, you only lose three, three games are done. So, yeah, this is the perfect storm for the Penguins to come back after not playing hockey for six months and, and lose to a, a terrible team. It's it's right. so, it's so random. It, and I mean, anything can happen. We know that. And Carey Price, like, are his numbers down the last couple of years? Absolutely. Now, I personally think part of that is because his team stinks. Yeah. And I don't care how good a goalie is when you're giving up more difficult chances for a goaltender to stop, your save percentage is going to drop. Uh, these aren't the 95 Devils playing in front of him. Um, <laughs> so the format makes it kind of scary. And the Canadians gave the Penguins some fits this year. They actually won a game in Pittsburgh. So I don't think it's necessarily a cakewalk, but... I just imagine the Penguins are going to care a lot more than the Canadians. Uh, and they just have so much more talent and they're healthy. So it, this format alone makes it scary. But if I were a betting man, I would still feel pretty good about wagering on the Penguins in the series. Or we can hope they lose and then get like get the number, number one, one overall th- pick in the yeah. draft. <laughs> It'd be the most Penguin thing ever. 
<laughs> that would I would be here for the takes on Twitter if that happens. Uh, <laughs> the hockey world would go nuts. The conspiracy theories. The conspiracy theories oh. would be out in full fact. That's just Oh, <laughs> an evil part. Harry Bettman world. loves the Penguins. Don't ever yeah, forget there it. There it is. Yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> the league loves the Penguins. You know, you know. Gary didn't want Sidney Crosby to go to New York or Toronto. No, no. He wanted him in small market Pittsburgh. You yeah, know that. Sure. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there was there was one idea today, Josh, that I did see on Elliot Freeman's Thirty One Thoughts. Apparently, the the Hurricanes proposed that in their series. I think in some of the other playing series that they that. I think the lower seeded team should have to win four of the five games to advance, which was interesting. I would have only done that for the five versus 12, considering how like lopsided the matchups are. And I think it's like, like prove your way in. And I saw if there was some talk last week that giving the, the top teams in the play in a one Oh series lead, which would have been even more funny. I think. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I did hear that about the uh, Hurricanes. That was interesting. I kind of like the Canes, though. Like, they think outside the box. Yeah. They just kinda, they're just kind of they kind of a fun team. I'm actually looking forward to that series, by the way. Canes-Rangers, mm-hmm. that's a totally fun series. Yeah. Like, two really up-tempo teams. That should be good hockey. Um, it's interesting that Carolina and Tampa were the two teams that voted against it. And to me, like, uh, when I look at Tampa, like, it, it's just – Kind of bad optics, isn't it, <laughs> for a team that choked as bad as they did in they're the first round last year? Now all of a sudden them. they're already, you know, they've got the built-in excuses working. <laughs> that's uh, that's a little interesting. Like with me, for one thing, yeah, I love I love how the Canes. The Canes are all they're like New Age hockey. That's what I call them, New Age hockey. And oh, no. if Don Cherry hates it, that usually means it's pretty good. <laughs> so like anything that they do is fun. But like that's what I was talking to Ryan Wilson on Twitter about, like. Okay, so we're, we're going to just go and do this like crazy ass, uh, you know, make make you know make up on the fly tournament to get hockey back in, and we're going to have a cup. Why not just go like? Why not do off the wall things? Why not have not even a, a conference separation? Why not you know rank the teams one through twenty four and then do it that way? That way you get some some you know you could have Pittsburgh and Washington playing each other for the cup, for example. Like that would be insane. That would be one of the most watched series of all times in NHL history. You could really do some off-the-wall things. Instead, they kind of just like, once again, the NHL, they, they take an idea that could have been really cool and they made it literally as lame as possible. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, we're just going to do these terrible hockey series that have these teams that won like 19 games and they might have a chance to win instead of like really having a, an opportunity to to really create some, some cross-market uh, ideas that would have maybe gained more interest. I actually love that idea, Chad. I really do. And for one thing, it would have made it a lot more fair in terms of figuring out who gets the buys. Um, Penguins are the seven. The Penguins are better than the Dallas Stars, but you know, because they play in the West, they get certain treatment. Um, that would have been great. Maybe like Pittsburgh, Nashville in the first round, something different. Like I, I get tired of seeing the same matchups all the time. Yeah, yeah. the same playoff format as it is. And in terms of the hub cities. They might have two Western cities. They might use two. Like, who cares? If you're going to be that, there for a month. That's the perfect thing is they, they wouldn't have, if it was normal travel, then I would understand you don't want Pittsburgh and Edmonton right. playing each other in the playoffs. But if you're doing a hub city, then it, that 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 excuse is off the window. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Totally agree. Like, seriously, how many chances could you get, like, Crosby McDavid in the second round or Crosby Ovechkin in the final? Oh, I think my that, God. Think people wouldn't want to see that? Like, I, I don't know who. Maybe some purists wouldn't like it, but the purists already hate this as it is. So why not make <laughs> it as interesting as possible, right? 
yeah, that'd be that, that that idea. I really really enjoy. Or I've seen people say this before. You know, have the top teams pick their opponents. That would be. Yeah, really I love funny. that idea as well. I love it. it yeah, and I mean, imagine like okay, so you're 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 this team, and, and then you're this this team's like we want to play you guys because you suck. Like mm-hmm. that to me, that creates drama and tension, especially if they beat you. Like that's amazing. Yeah, like if Boston picks yeah. Chicago to play, like oh Chicago, you stink or. Yeah, they you think we want to play you guys, we're going to beat your ass. And yeah. I mean, the storylines are – instead, it's just it, – it's just bland. Like, it, NHL just always has to give us this bland-ass stuff. And it just may as a hockey guy that wants other people to like hockey, I'm, like, begging them, like, please oh, lead, like, yeah. other sports. Like, it, it's, it's frustrating in a way because it is wild as and as unprecedented as this all is. There's a, It doesn't look like there's going to be Major League Baseball this summer. Like, that, no that's chance. a real mess. Hockey has a chance to have an unbelievable spotlight come up. Whatever sport plays first, all eyes are going to be on it. And especially remember, the Olympics were canceled. There's a three-week window at the end of July into August where NBC has all this empty Mm -hmm. space where the Olympics were supposed to be. They can put the NHL on every channel. We can all be watching four games at once. Like It would be unreal exposure for the National Hockey League. Mm -hmm. So. That's why it's one of the reasons I hope they can pull this off and I hope they don't screw it up too bad because you, you always worry about them in terms of marketing themselves. It's, it's not their strength. Yeah. And then, I mean, I know they'll have the NBA to worry about. I think they're, they're going to be playing in Disney world, I think, but they'll, right. they'll probably be playing right around the same time. So but at least, at least that'll be good. Um, one of the other things I feel like is really weird with this format, the bracketing versus reseeding. I have no idea why the NHL wants this to be like March Madness. They're not March Madness. This is not going to be a thing. Um, if say, okay, let's just say Montreal does it, they beat Pittsburgh. Why should they go up against a team like Philadelphia as a four seed when right. it should be one versus 12? Like, I'm still trying to understand that. I don't understand why they don't to do that. I don't see what's in it for the NHL to not do it that way. I know the players want reseeding. Mm. They've been pretty adamant about that, in fact. Um, I, I don't understand what the benefit is for the league, really. And, and it'll be interesting to see what they finally conclude on. Um, but, no, I'm all for reseeding. I, I think it makes sense. And I think it's fair to reward the best teams a little bit. I, I'm no fan of the Boston Bruins, personally. Like, they were like my third or fourth most hated team as a kid. I don't even like covering them that much. Like it's just not my favorite group. So I'm not a Bruins fan by any stretch, but like they're getting so screwed here as it is. You would think the teams that get the top seeds at least would get to play at 11 or 12. If there's an upset, that seems fair to me. To me, it's not fair to ignore the five months of work in the regular season. That, that should count for something. No. And it, and, and that's the reason why you'll have so many casual hockey fans say, you know, I'm not I'm not tuning in a game 67 of the regular season because right. why? What what is at stake at this point? There's nothing at stake. There's no tension. There's no drama. You know, until you get here. And yeah, I mean, the Metropolitan Division is so stacked. But so these teams get literally screwed for being good. Like they're punished for having a good team in a good season, and it mm-hmm. makes it ass backwards. Like Boston, like if Boston goes zero three in this round robin, which is totally possible, they have to play Tampa, Philly, and Washington. They're the four seed. They probably get Pittsburgh in the first round. Then they probably get Tampa in the second round. Then probably the Caps in the conference final. Like, are you kidding me? It's a joke. That's a murder row. <laughs> that's a joke. Um, and the East is so much better than the West this year. That would have. That's another reason why it would have been cool just to see twenty four NHL teams mix and match. Yeah. Just see 
everybody based on points. Uh, it would have been more fair to the Eastern teams right now, I would say, for sure. Because the West, there's two or three good teams in the West, really, and that's it. Yeah, it's mostly just St. Louis, Vegas, and... Colorado and St. Louis are really good. Vegas, maybe Dallas, that's about it. Edmonton's fun to watch. I don't think anyone's taking them that seriously as a cup contender. Yeah, Penn's Oiler, yeah. I mean, that would, like, that oh. would... That would generate interest. Crosby and McDavid, Penguins, Oilers, Stanley Cup playoffs. They will never see it again. Uh, I, I I loathe the NHL marketing. <laughs> Whoever's I hate them. I don't know who you are. I don't know any of your names, but I hate. It's no, they, they just don't. Yeah. They just don't league. think. You know, they they just don't for whatever reason. It has always been that way with the NHL. I believe it was my former boss who always says best sport, worst league. That's, and I, yeah. I, I tend to agree with him on that. that, that yeah. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I just, I, I just said that too. It, it literally, they literally are. It's the best sport, but it's the worst ran league. It just, yeah. Like the, the round Robin is just like, you can have like the, like they didn't play each other, but you're going to tell me Boston's gonna, could be a four seed after they were going to walk to the president's trophy with like three to four weeks left. I mean, come on. Oh, it's, that's it's just, I, I, <laughs> I, I now with this stupid format, they're gonna watch. They're gonna end up having like a team like a Montreal or a team like Chicago that's like was terrible. One of those teams have no business being in this are gonna weasel their way into the into the final. I, I can almost guarantee that's gonna happen. It's a really big concern. I was talking with uh, Billy Jaffe in Boston, who does a lot of TV work last week, and he said, "You know what the problem is?" I said, "What's that?" He said, "Every year there's a team." He said, "Usually it's the Buffalo Sabers. They start every season like." 12 and 2, and everyone says, Whoa, they're really good. And no, they're not. They just start. He said, One of those teams might do that in this tournament. We're going to get a really awful team. Yeah, in the guys have not played. So, I mean, everybody, I mean, yeah. any, literally anything can happen. And I'm like, I, I'm sure we're going to get into it, but like, as a Pens fan, like, I don't even, I didn't even know who they're going to start in Wooly. Like, that's a huge question. I mean, like, I don't know who gets the next game one they're going to be. I mean, if it's Murray, I'm going to be worried because he hasn't seen a pocket. And since February, and we went through a pandemic, I'm worried that first shot's going to go in. <laughs> oh, I know. And I, I by the way, I, I did talk with Jim Rutherford the other day about that. He made it pretty clear it's going to be Matt Murray. So, okay. okay. My sense, my sense is he will have a much shorter leash than in the past, as he should. Yeah. Because yeah. let's be honest, the other guy was better this year. I mean, I think we all can agree on that. And that, I'm not a Matt Murray hater by any stretch. He just had a very mediocre at best season. Just the way it is. Man, no um, pressure, Matt, but you haven't played since February, and uh, it's already the playoffs, so don't screw up. I know, yeah. Just a five, go get him. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's that's going to be pretty interesting. I did see there was an article, I think a couple weeks ago, where Elliot Freeman said he's been working with, Matt Murray's been working with a new kind of coach or something with tweaks to his game, I think. Yeah, and you know what's funny? I can tell you, yeah. like, Matt does this a lot. He kind of will go off on his own and do his own thing. Like, he... All, from what I've been told, all last summer, every time he would train, he finally got it in his head that he wanted to play deeper in his crease, kind of like Henrik Lundqvist does. And that was something that his coaches in Pittsburgh didn't think much of when the season started. And they, they really wanted him to be more aggressive, and he wanted to play deeper in his crease. He's one of those people, he's almost too smart for his own good. We all know people like that. Mm. He's probably the smartest guy on the team. He's an incredibly smart guy. Uh, but sometimes I think he overthinks things. And I think he needs to go back to what worked in 2016 and in 2017. Maybe there was a better team around him then, and that helped. But he was a better goalie then, too. There's no doubt. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I just wanted to bring that up because I found that report pretty interesting. And I, I hope that the tweaks that they make for his game, it hopefully goes back to where 
It wasn't. Oh yeah, by the way, Matt, you have a contract com- coming up from. Oh yeah. From some from yeah. someone. If it's the pe- if it's not the Penguins, who, who's going to pay you? All, who's going to pay you the <laughs> <Yeah>. money? <laughs> and, and Jim Rutherford, Jim Rutherford already said it's probably unlikely that they'll keep both goaltenders next season because of the salary cap drop. It's uh, yeah, no pressure at all on Murray, right? Yeah, exactly. Speaking of someone who they probably won't keep after this season anyway, uh, jo- uh, Josh and Chad, poor poor Nick Bukestad. Uh, I, I said who? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I said in my earlier say I accidentally call I accidentally said Bo Bennett when I was talking about him because I was going to make the comparison, and this guy he just goes from a a core muscle injury comes back plays a couple games and then he gets a herniated disc. I mean this is a guy who hasn't been that banged up too much in his career and just ugh, I just feel so bad. <laughs> yeah, um, I know people are giving him such of a rough time. Um. He doesn't want to get hurt. It's 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 bad luck. Like I don't even know that it makes him soft. I just, I just think it's bad luck. It's a shame. He he is a gifted hockey player. Mm. Like when the Penguins made that trade, I was talking with Vince Trocheck, who I've known forever, and I think Vince really likes him on a personal level. So maybe there was some hyperbole in this, but he said like, trust me, this dude like put him on Sid's line. He'll score thirty goals. He's he's got that kind of talent, and everybody says that about him. But I don't think he's ever going to play another game for the Penguins. I'd be surprised if he does. Makes 4.1 mil. Mm-hmm. Salary cap almost certain to drop next season. I, I don't see any way how you keep him. I think everybody's favorite defenseman, old number three, probably is on his way out as well. My guess is they're probably going to add some buyouts that teams can use. I think that's fair if the cap drops. I think it's totally fair. And I think those are two awfully good candidates. I think they're going to have to put buyouts in, but I mean, you know who I would want to buy out. <laughs> I, I can't imagine. I'm, I'm also on that train too. <laughs> uh, no, but um, it's the perfect time. It really is. I yeah, mean, I I mean, I, I don't even believe that Nick Boostad exists at this point, but <laughs> I mean, he showed flashes. I definitely don't think he's a $4 million player. No. I don't see him yeah. as a $4 million player. And um, yeah, I mean, I don't see him fitting in. Uh, at all is uh it's and also uh, so Simone's out right so is Crosby going to be like playing with like Russian and Mike Sullivan are they going to be like impressed that Simone's not going to be there I, I I'm sure we all know how much Sid enjoys playing with him <laughs> yeah. but he also enjoys playing with Connor Sherry and uh, I I mean I, I I'm certain the top line's going to be Crosby Gensel and Sherry that's really yeah is I mean it? Mike Sullivan said last week even he he's leaning toward playing Sid with Gensel. And I think that'll make the second line Zucker with Malkin and Rust. And you might see Zucker and Gensel go up and down and back and forth. Wouldn't shock me. But I think Malkin, that, that Malkin, Rust, and Gensel line was just. It was. I don't know yeah. how. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was. I guess Sid does. So how does that. Does Sid. Like, I mean, so does Sid get. Like, do they have a conversation about that? Like, do they, does Sullivan go to like, Dino and Sid and be like, okay, this is what I was thinking. What do you guys think about that they literally have meetings all the time about his line mates it's not that sid's like a pain in the ass per se but he's very it's hard to play with him he's just picky you know he just wants certain guys like he's not um i don't think he would ever put his desires before the team it's not like that with him but they do he and sullivan don't see eye to eye about line mates all the time i I, sullivan told me a story a couple of years ago Sullivan loves Hornquist with Sid. He just does. <laughs> and on paper, it's and on, on the data and stuff like that backs it up as well. Yeah. Right. And he's, I mean, 
every coach loves Hornquist because he never screws up. He doesn't turn the puck over. He, you know what you're getting from him every night, even if he's not fancy or skilled, really, right? And he likes how Hornquist and Sid work down low, which, yeah, I mean, I, I can see that for sure. Sid just doesn't like playing with Hornquist. He loves him on a personal level, loves playing with him on the power play. He wants guys who are going to play the give-and-go game with him who can skate with him. That's not Hornquist. It just isn't. Yeah, so Sid never wants to play with him. You know Sid and Gino both want to play with Rust. But you can't take Rust away from Gino. They're too good together right now. Yeah. Yeah. Sherry, uh, Crosby, and Gensel. I mean, a give and go. That's about as give and go as it, as it gets right there. Yeah. Yeah. I did. And you know, Sherry. Uh, Sherry's always been a really streaky guy. So when when he goes cold, he goes cold. But yeah, that's right. Take him out and put Hornquist there or whoever. But um, you know, Sid likes playing with him. There's something to be said for that. And by the way, I think we should call him Sherry for now. The Penguins won Stanley Cups when he was Sherry. They did not yeah. win. Yeah. Yes, I think it's just for the best. That's 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 right. I'm announcing that now on behalf. Of mention, you can't tell Pittsburgh people how to pronounce things because we're. I mean, we we call oh. giant eagles giant eagles. So like, yeah, <laughs> right. we're, we're gonna call you whatever we want to call you. That's right. We struggle as it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, and and Josh is is Jake actually ready right now to play? Like, it's been what five months now. I I don't know that he's. I'm sorry, guys. This is the funniest thing ever. I'm using my phone and Rob Rossi just called. I just declined the call. Uh, getting back to your question. I don't know that Jake has been medically cleared for game action. I don't think that he has yet, but he's right on track. And I just don't think he's been able to skate. So until he can skate for a couple of weeks and, you know, make sure his body feels okay and eventually start taking some small hits. Um, yeah, I mean, at that point, he'll be fine. But I can tell you from talking with his agent, Ben Hankinson, talking with Mike Sullivan, Jim Rutherford, they all think he would have absolutely been good to go by July 1. And they're not going to need him probably until August 1. So, yeah, <laughs> he, it, he would have to have quite a setback to not play. That's, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, I'm, I'm glad, I'm, I'm really glad that he's going to be back. That top six is just going to be disgusting to watch. I think that's one of the five best top sixes in the league. And then, I really think what's underrated is what they're going to do with their third line. They can roll out Marlowe probably next to McCann and Hornquist. And then, of course, you have the, 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 the shutdown line with Aston Reese back healthy, Bluger and Tanev. That's just that, – that's a, that's a very nice bottom six, I would say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm interested to hear Chad's take on this. Uh, Chad, I, I assume we all love the fourth line. Uh, with Tanov and, and Zach Aston Reese and Bluger. Sometimes they use it as their third line, and you can see why. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, maybe the X factor for the Penguins is that third line. It's going to be McCann, Hornquist, and Marlowe. Yeah. I like all of the players, but we've never seen them play together. So it's a total mystery to me to see if that line will be effective or not. But I, 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 I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I, I think it's an intriguing mix. McCann's another one that like I, I never seem to be able to get my my pulse yeah. on. My eyes tell me that he's better as a center than right. he is a winger. They try to make him a winger. Um, but like, man, he's he's another one of these guys that, like, okay, like a couple weeks ago, by it, I'd be like, hell yeah, man, like this dude's definitely worth four million. We uh, need to resign him. And then I like, I don't hear from him for like a month. Like he literally goes on a, on a milk carton. Um, <laughs> I, I yeah, I w- I want to see him as a third as a as a third line center, but. In my opinion, if I'm Sullivan, and I'm not Mike Sullivan at all, you can probably see that, but if I'm playing against the other team, that Bluger line 
I mean, they probably, in my opinion, deserve equal playing time, like with those, with those, with that other line, because they're better on five on five on paper than than the McCann line. Like, you know, the problem is then now you got Patrick Hornquist playing like less than fifteen minutes a night. So how do you work him in besides maybe putting him on the power? Where does he get that time? At? Yeah, I mean, I still think he'll be on the top power play in all likelihood. But yeah, it's interesting. You're right about McCann. I don't know what to make of him. I remember I, I looked up a stat. It was halfway through the season, and his I think it was his first 60 games with the Penguins. He scored like 25 goals, and yeah. I know plus the bullshit that I only pay attention to plus minus if it's very slanted one way, like if it's really noticeable. He was like a plus 30 in his first 60 games with the Penguins. Like he was doing everything right, and in those last six weeks, he was terrible. He disappeared. He's not a good faceoff guy either, which is my one concern with him as the third line center. But they got him to be the third line center. Everyone, Buick said, was the bigger name in that trade. McCann's the guy they wanted. Yeah. They always thought he would be a perfect third-line center. Maybe he will be, but uh, he he's one of three or four guys that I think could really uh, determine the Penguins' fate this spring. You, you know what you're going to get from Crosby and Malkin. As great as they are, you, you still need the third-line center to play well. Look at the Penguins' cups in the Crosby and Malkin era. I think Nick Benino and Jordan Stahl played a role a time or two. Of course they did. Um, so that puts McCann in the spotlight, no doubt. He was just so cold down the stretch. I think there was a stat. It was another way. It's like one goal in his last 20, 25 games. He just, yeah. he wasn't scoring, which was, and he was getting some good chances too. He just wasn't putting the puck in the net, wasn't contributing offensively. It was just really upsetting to just see him just basically fall off. I don't know if he was going through an injury or something. It just, that wasn't the Jared McCann that we were used to seeing. No. No, I, I don't think he was hurt. If he was, you know, I'm not aware of anything. He was practicing every day. I, the thing about him, he's still a young guy. He's 23 years old, I think. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, we have to keep that in mind. Sometimes young players can be a little streakier. Um, and the, my only red flag with him, and he's one of my favorite people on the team. He's a good kid. He works his butt off. Um, he has been traded twice already at a very young age. So that makes you wonder if there's something about his game that maybe people thought they were fooled a little bit and he wasn't what they thought he was. And they keep, I don't they keep know, changing his position he plays too. So, I mean, yes. that's that's another, you know, now you got so you traded. Is he a winger? Is he a center? There's, uh, yeah, there's a lot of question marks that he needs no, to answer. And he, never, he never had the same line mates all season, Chad. I mean, he was on a yeah. – and that's because of injuries. Yeah. It wasn't really Mike Sullivan's fault. I don't blame him for that. But, yeah, so that, that's a lot of pressure for a 23-year-old player who's still kind of – uh, breaking into the league. I, I like McCanny. You know, I, I like the speed. I like a lot of things that he brings to the table, but we need to see October, November McCann, not January, February McCann. Yeah, yeah I like him. He's RFA coming up. I mean, I'm just like, I, I, would I like, would I want to see them throw like a four year deal at him and give him like three, four? I know. Honestly, I, he's to me, like you said, he's still a proven guy. What better time to prove it than to be a third line senator for, you know, during the playoffs? Strikes me as a good candidate for a bridge deal. Have a two-year, six-million-dollar deal. Show us what you can do. You know, that, I think that might be the prudent thing with him. He's an intriguing guy, though. But boy, even with the injuries to Simone and Bukestead, uh, the Penguins still have serious depth. Uh, those four lines are all potentially very good. If you have to bring in a, a Lafferty, Rodriguez, um, yeah, I like Rodriguez. He, there's he, he kind of jumped out at me after that trade. There's some talent there. You can see it. I don't know where he fits in necessarily, but. Those are a couple of he nice get a spot. I guess he would get a spot over Aston Reese, but Aston Reese was so mm. good defensively. I don't, I don't think I don't think you can break up that fourth I line. Think, I, I think either. you got to roll with that line. Plus, he's a really good penalty killer, and Rodriguez doesn't 
really kill penalties as much. So, but if Rodriguez, you know, Rodriguez strikes me as a guy. If one of your top six wingers gets hurt, even I could see him. If Ryan Rusk, God forbid, gets hurt, I could see him going on Malkin's line and scoring a big goal. Like you can see, he's got talent <laughs> yeah. where he can play with players a little bit. What's the Penguins? So somebody's going to get hurt or get the plague. So you're going to play Evan Rodriguez. Don't worry about that. You're going to you're going to play. Oh, I, I can't, yeah, that's that's 100 going to happen. We all know what the defense looks like. We have Chad's favorite player is going to be on the bottom pairing because no, he he's enjoying his family time. <laughs> he he's going to take this off. He might retire. I heard. <laughs> <laughs> Dak Johnson is he is I mean he has a newborn he's probably just enjoying family time and he's probably just gonna pass you know I'll see I'll catch you guys next year uh, <laughs> no, Jack best wishes I'm curious to hear your 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 opinion on this both of you like we all know the coaching staff and front office likes Jack more than the fans that goes without saying my the more interesting question to me is who did you so Ricola piss off so much? That every time he makes a mistake, he's out of the lineup. Like, I, I don't think he's a great player, but I see a lot of things in his game that I like. And it just seems like, man, uh, the leash is really always short. If you want guy, my honest, raw opinion, mm -hmm. um, it's because he's European. Oh, I mean, um, that could I, be. No, that doesn't I, I think that European players in North America have a shorter leash in general. Interesting. I don't think it's as bad as it used to be, but is there still an element of that? Yeah, there is. I don't know with the Penguins necessarily, but that's... No, that's yeah, a, I'm just saying in my just, theory, it yeah. is. Because I mean, I've seen similar players make... I mean, I, again, Jack Johnson, I, I've seen him take a killer penalty and kill all of our momentum and then be out there the next shift. And I've right. seen Ricola take a penalty and then not move from the bench the rest of the oh. game. In my mind, just like, okay, so what's the reason for that? Is it because he's young? But right. then at the same time, like, we, we used relatively young and experienced players during those cup runs, but they were North American players. So I, yeah. I, I do think there is an element of, of this player is from that part of the world, so there's um, a stigma there still. And I'm not calling Sullivan a xenophobe or anything. I'm just saying that that element does exist. No, I think it does. You know, it's interesting. We're talking about that third pairing. We can talk about Jack all we want or Rikola, but the guy who may have been the Penguins' worst defenseman this year was Justin Schultz. Oh, he was and, awful. Oh, he, was awful. And he, was he will be in the lineup for sure. He's never been the same player since he broke his ankle against the Canadians yes, almost yeah, two years ago, in my opinion. They need him to be way better. He actually did the very last game in Jersey, I thought was maybe his best game of the year. I don't know if that was a sign of things to come or just a fluky night, but man, He's got to play better. And also, he's a UFA. A year or two ago, I thought he was going to cash out this summer. Now, boy, I, I don't I don't necessarily he, see it, especially you know, with the cap dropping. He, he's the only reason would be is because right, right-handed defenseman that can play the power play and stuff like that are just so rare. So somebody will probably throw him some money. But uh, yeah, like, where would this team be without John Marino? <laughs> like, if, uh. if they didn't pull that trade-off, that defense would be shit. I mean, that John Marino... He literally, to me, their blue line is literally above average because of him. Like, He's awesome. Like, I'm a big Latang fan. I'm a big Dumoulin fan. Pedersen's fine. But Marino, they're just different with him. And you saw them struggle without him when he got hurt in Tampa. They were not the same team after he went down. Um, what an unbelievable find. Uh, I think the Edmonton Oilers could use John Marino on their blue line for the next decade. I think Connor McDavid would have liked that. Yeah. Um, 
I'm a big fan, big, big Marino's fan. Marino's the first player that they've had back there that I was, I'm starting to be like, okay, I think we're going to be all right post Latang at this point. Yeah. yeah. No, no. I mean, that's fair. And, and let's be like, I like Latang. I think Latang in general is a very underappreciated player. He is 33. Yeah. And I, do I think he's probably lost a quarter of a step in the last three years? Yeah, I do. That doesn't mean I don't think he's still a wonderful player. He is. But I don't know if you guys have watched any of the 16. They're showing the old games from like 2016. I don't think he moves quite like he did then. That, that's evolution. He's 33 now. The rest of the league's yeah. getting faster. But I had the same thought as you. Uh, Marino being a right-handed guy, that's their number one defenseman on the right side of the future. There's no question about that. And uh, he just it's one of the best rook, one of the most steady rookie defensemen I've ever seen. He's so good. No, I, I think Latang's one of those guys that when we when he retires and then like we look back, I think that's when his appreciation will finally be where it was supposed to be. He's one of those guys that I think you have to lose. Like you don't know what you got until until it's gone. I, I don't think that. But again, with Latang. The people that are on Twitter, and most people are a very small, loud minority because oh, you go to like any Penguins events, and Latang's like one of the most loved players there. So, yeah. Oh no, no doubt about that. But you know, I was talking with Ben Lovejoy the other day, and he made a great point. He said, you know, all my time in Pittsburgh, everyone talked about getting Sid a winger. He said, Chris Latang's been his winger for over a decade, <laughs> and he's right. He said, like, he said, trust me, Sid will tell you, like. He's a better player when he's on the ice with Crystal Tang. There's, there's no doubt about oh, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that's that's an understatement. And like you guys, John, he just so he's so good. You know, I, I don't think he got as enough enough Calder Trophy love as he should have. I mean, he was never going to win, of course. Cal McCarr and Quinn Hughes are the, right. the top two, and then you could. I think he could have had Marino there if he didn't get hurt as a, a third place vote. I think he would have gotten my vote personally. He might still get one of my votes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't know when we're going to be voting for that. In fact, I guess the regular season's over now, so maybe that's coming up soon. But I, I don't remember one bad game that he had. I mean that sincerely. He was so unflappable every single night, and the more responsibility he got, the better he played. Yeah. Um, he, he's a special young player. There's no and doubt. He's one of those guys where you watch the game, and you're like, he's good, and then we, you know, we go and look at the, you know, the data community as well, and his, his data is like, holy shit, this guy's like playing at like an elite level five on five. So like, is he going to get better? Like I'm interested to see where his ceiling is, but I heard Jim Rutherford on the X uh, a while back, uh, a couple months ago and was talking about it. And he said, yeah, he sees him as, as a, a, a number one guy, like a number one defenseman on the team. Yeah. It's, I can, that's, he's just so sad. I don't know if you guys know the story about how the Penguins you know, found him. Artie, right? Oh, it was Artie Stevens who's the player. Oh, really? Artie, yeah. He's this college scout in uh, the Boston area, and Artie's kid plays at Yale. He's a left wing. And every time he would play against Marino, he would shut him down. And Artie's kid was drafted. He's a really good player. And he called Jim Rutherford last year about this time. He said, listen, there's this kid Marino. He's Oilers' property. If you can get him, trust me, get him. And Jim said, okay, Artie. Or, <laughs> like, you know, you don't have to twist Jim's arm. He, he listens to his scouts. Yeah. <laughs> One sixth round pick from Edmonton or to Edmonton later, and there you have it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I do remember reading about that story, I think, last year. Yeah. Thank God, Artie. Thank, thank God. But, um, Artie always comes, you know? Yeah. No, he's, he's awesome. Real, real quick before I, I do let you guys go here, I, I wanted to ask one quick question. Jo- Josh, I'll start with you. 
is there going to be some weird rules um, for when the if the league does play? Like, are they going to like have to have full face shields? Can you celebrate with your teammates after a goal? Where is is the coach going to be right behind the bench? I, I'm just I'm curious <laughs> to see if they get really weird with some with some of these sort of things. It's a great question. I, my sense is no. I don't think there will be much of that. I think they're going to say, "Listen, we're testing you guys every single day." Mm-hmm. Therefore, you can proceed on the hockey rink like you always have. Uh, I think that's probably going to be the approach. Maybe the coaches will have to wear masks. I, I mm-hmm. guess maybe that's a possibility. Oh, that's a meme. That's a meme waiting to happen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I want torch with the mask on, man. Like, <laughs> give me torch with the mask on and, like, the sweater instead of the suit he wears. Like, <laughs> that, that's perfect, right? But I, I don't really think there will be too many changes. Chad, what about you? Uh, I have no idea what to think at this point. I I, I just want, like, NHL to me, them being possibly being the first of the major sports to come back and try this experiment with, uh, I'm expecting a very, very dumb decision by them. I I don't know what it's going to be, but just my faith in in the league being first as as the test dummies here. I, I don't know. I, I think they're going to mess up at some point because this league has not proven itself to be uh, the best decision-making uh, league of, of, of the four sports. It won't be boring. I know that. <laughs> but this is their chance. I mean, no, they have. They mm. might literally have no legit competition, especially with baseball not being out. Like, there's no people are going to watch hockey for. So this is their chance to to be in the spotlight. No, they've never had a, they've never had a stage like this potentially. Yeah. You're right. So. I mean, I mean, yeah, they'll, they'll have to go up against the NBA a little bit, but I think the NBA might start later anyway. And um, looks I'm, like it. I'm not even yeah. really sure what the NBA. I mean, people is. that are going to watch the NBA versus, I mean, they, they're not. They don't compete with the NBA, in my opinion. Like they don't. Like, yeah. That's people are going to watch the NBA no matter what. Like, yeah. Baseball would would be tapping into their, their audience, in my opinion. Like, no baseball, no Olympics. There's nothing. Like, they're, you know, so, yeah. I mean, they should be able to get, like, four, five, six million viewers for for some of these games. Yeah. Oh, I completely agree. And people don't watch baseball as much as they used to anyway, so there's... Hell no. No. I mean, there's... So there, there, there's people that are looking for stuff to watch in the summer. Let's, yeah, no. Let's hope it works. I agree. And hopefully the uh, the TV coverage will be... Uh, pretty, pretty good. I'm hoping maybe look at some new announcers in there. I mean, I know they'll have, of course, Pierre and his shenanigans in there and Mike Bill Milbury. Of course he just made his Twitter and on his second. Yeah, did you follow him on Twitter, Josh? Yeah. (laughs) No, I did not. (laughs) You have to uh, earn my follow on Twitter. He's never done that. His, uh, his second tweet was, uh, pretty, uh, Pretty interesting. I, I will say that. <laughs> I'm not going to repeat. I'm going to get – my goal is to get blocked by him by this weekend. Maybe I'll get blocked right now. Dad, I got my money on you. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. That was, oh, man. I just – I still can't believe he even made a Twitter. But um, in all seriousness, guys, uh, thank you guys so much for coming on this episode. Um, I really do yeah. appreciate it. I'll have to have both of you guys on um, next month. Uh, well, or J- June, July, whenever we, we get closer, we get more announcements for sure. Be happy to. Yeah, um, I'm really, I'm just, I'm excited that we actually had some hockey news to talk about. I'm sure the whole, the whole sports world was honestly watching that, um, that press conference with Gary Bettman this week just to see what their return to plans were. So that was a pretty big um, stage for them, I would say. So um, thank you all so much for listening, and we will talk to you all tomorrow.